1: Friends and welcome to this edition of the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am your co-host, Paul Hudrick, and I am joined by Seamus Clancy, who was in Washington, D.C. this past weekend to see your Philadelphia Eagles rough up the Washington Commanders. uh, Final score of 24 to 8. We all know they got after Carson Wentz, sacked him nine times. Um, A lot of that feels like it's on Carson Wentz himself great performance from Jalen Hurts, great performance by Skinny Batman. You were there. You got the vibe of the fans, the one article. And I actually, the one thing I want to ask you, your opinion on this, because I think this is true. Sure, I think I'm onto something here. We, like, Philadelphians and people in this area, to say frig. I feel like that is very,
2: like, that's that's like a. I say frig all the time. Right,
1: but that, I feel like that's not a a thing that everyone does. Like I, feel I don't like think that's that a is... I
2: don't think that's a real thing anywhere
1: else. No, that's what I'm I, saying. I like I feel agree. like that is a Philadelphian thing. Um, to not use friggin' and to use frig, like. But I saw that quote and that that woman just seems fantastic. Um, but you were there. What were the vibes like? And you know, your first experience
2: covering a, a road game, correct? Yeah, well, I will clarify. I was in Landover, Maryland, not Ah, Washington, (laughs) D.C. The Eagles are the only team that play in the place where they say the team is from. (laughs) Dallas Cowboys playing in Arlington, Texas. The New York Giants don't even play in that state, let alone New York City itself. So I was in Landover, Maryland. Not a terrible drive. I was expecting it to be like this disaster of a drive. I left Krakadon. I'm just a really anal person. I get it. Wanted to get there early. Was interviewing some fans. I left maybe 650-ish for my place in Philadelphia in the city. Got there probably around a little before nine. I really had a nice quick trip down there. Was was blazing. And the way back, I thought it was going to get hammered. But I I did a story after Wentz's press conference. We could talk about that after the game. So by the time I got out of there, it was, again – two hours and seven ish minutes home from Maryland. And I, I couldn't have asked for anything better. No, with that. that's pretty good. Pretty good but, uh, for your first experience too. I mean, Hey, yeah, totally they, normally they got it a always... win. it was, you could pre-write everything. Cause the King was, the King was over at halftime. So final whistle <laughs> blew. I had two stories hit publication right away. That's the, I'm not that level yet, but that's the cranky old sports writers dream, right? Like, Oh, I got to rewrite my recap. Like that whole stick. Didn't yeah. have to worry about that.
1: I've been that crazy beat writer before, yeah.
2: Yeah, and so have I. I've definitely <laughs> been there too, but it's been nice since that I've been doing, I have been doing this type of immediate Eagles, game is over, published content thing ever, really, before right. this season. It just so happens, first three games, pretty handily controlled most of the game. Detroit game was a little iffy, but the Eagles still held on to that one. So, been good so far. I will say- I did a little article interviewing some Eagles fans before there about the Carson Wentz experience. Definitely an Eagles takeover. I would say, from what I could see in the first level at FedEx Field, and I will say this, I was expecting the worst view in the history of professional sports. Like, I couldn't see a damn thing. I thought it was fine, to be honest. I I really thought the – I wasn't in the stadium. I will say, if you check out my TikTok, there's a video directly in front of me where uh, some sort of toilet sewage water is – Pouring on someone's seat. So Lovely. while it didn't distract my view, and I didn't have any uh poop water coming on me, so to speak, <laughs> it was fine otherwise. What a poverty I would say franchise. First level, so lower bowl, probably 50-50, maybe 60-40 Washington. But I was told up top, which I couldn't get a glimpse of or necessarily hear of, it was about 70-30 Birds fans. Wow. And you could feel it when the Eagles ran out of the tunnel, obviously they didn't do player introductions. There were more cheers than boos. And when the Washington players got introduced, teams typically introduce one side of the ball, the starters on either defense or offense, Washington, in a rare smart move, announced all the defensive starters (laughs) rather than their (laughs) offensive starters because they knew – their quarterback that they just acquired this offseason was gonna get booed in his home stadium because it was an Eagles takeover.
1: It's so wild. It's so wild. It's a that franchise, man. Like what this the is hell? the way
2: I said it to out a tweet. Third and 23, Wentz is already falling apart.
0: They're they not cheering,
2: start. right? They're they're, they're doing a, a slow, they're doing a silent count in their <laughs> own stadium in week three false start stadium of in and cheers when their home team had a, a false start on third and 23, just Thank a, uh, it says a lot about the special quality of this Eagles team, the way people are buying in the way people are buying into Jalen hurts, this new offense, which Jonathan think Gannon's been doing on defense. And certainly, certainly what we've known for both of our whole lives, how special the Philadelphia fan base is.
1: Absolutely, especially Eagles fans, the nuttiest of the nuttiest. And I say that with all affection in the world. I guess we'll start with Wentz because that's where we go here, um, because I definitely want to touch on Hurts and how terrific he was again. Um, But Wentz gets sacked nine times, as I mentioned, several times, I would say at least half of them were of his own doing. Um, Pretty rough. Uh, But nonetheless, as you mentioned, great day for Jonathan Gannon's defense two weeks in a row really where their defense has been very very good
2: do you, Jonathan to drop that. a lot of people wrote me off but i didn't write backline he should uh, say that in yes. press conference this week. i don't know
1: that he's yeah i don't know that he's
2: that he did cr- say uh, he did drop right a guy. little bit of energy that i didn't see i did not go so we're recording this tuesday uh, early late afternoon, the Eagles did have a coordinator-only press conference. The locker rooms weren't open. The so Michael Clay, special teams coordinator Jonathan Gannon, defensive coordinator Shane Steichen, uh, offensive coordinator all spoke. I wasn't there, but Jonathan Gannon said something like I forget what it was, but he was like he he was walking up the stage and said, "Write that," and it was Ooh, pretty sweet. Yeah. spicy. Okay, spicy. I'm I dig sure, it. Tell I'm me sure to shut he, up. I love it. <laughs> we talked about it after week one. I he was definitely on the hot seat and. Eagles fans were calling for his job, and if the way we were thinking about that Vikings game, I thought the Vikings could have put up 35, 40 points on them, the way they played in week one and how anemic the pass rush looked. But, man, he rebounded. He rebounded like Nick Sirianni did last season after the 2-5 and start, the blooming flower comments. (laughs) Jonathan Gannon, what, is he on a path to being a head coach again? That was his trajectory in the offseason, got some – then anyway, we were thinking, oh, he's gonna—he's he's a defensive baby. coordinator for Bishop Eustis next year, <laughs> and now he's probably gonna go coach the Texans.
1: Ah, uh, terrific. uh, but I mean, you just do—you just have to give the guy all the credit in the world because, yeah, we we were both sitting here. I was trying to keep an open mind. I—I I definitely, you—you yeah. you and I definitely both weren't in the okay, after week one like fire the guy. Like we definitely weren't there at all, even close. And the one thing I said after week one, and I think it's kind of come to fruition a tad, is. The, the defensive guys didn't really have a, a preseason, uh, especially their veteran yeah. guys: Van, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave. Uh, these guys, you know, even Hassan Redick. like they didn't have a, a real preseason where they could get in the form. Tackling was an enormous issue against Detroit. Really, has not been an issue at all the last two weeks. They've tackled very well. They've gotten out of the after the quarterback. It was good to see Hassan Reddick have a breakout game. Fletcher Cox obviously had a breakout game, even though. Yeah, Wentz did them an awful lot of favors. Um, <laughs> they, It's still, they were very
2: dominant. Covered well. I'm still
1: blowing away. Avante
2: Maddox, the, the number six corner. Every Tuesday this season, I start doing some PFF grades on phillyvoice.com. Voice.com. Running up today. Three weeks in the season, Avante Maddox, number six cornerback in the NFL per pro football reference. We have at number 17, Darius Slay. And I believe number 24, James Bradbury. He's 26, not 24. He works how many
1: – th- and that's what I wonder is how many teams can boast that – because, you know, in this day and age, that they're all starting corners. There's how many every teams- team has three starting corners right.
2: now. It's it's a lot different. It's not like you're a top 60 guy. Right. It doesn't work that way anymore. Right. But that's I'm calling it up now. Let's see.
1: Three guys in the top 26. How many teams even have two?
2: Okay. Going to cornerback right now. Looking to people up here. Jonathan Jones from the New England Patriots is number one right now. Jalen Ramsey from the Rams, number three. J.C. Horn, the Panthers, number four. Uh, Bengals. Uh, the Bengals have two guys in the top 16. Okay. And the Rams have two guys in the top 19. But no one has three so the as Ravens this... have two guys in the top 21 or top 24 i should say yet yeah, no one has three that's so in this
1: moment the sixers have or the sixers wow see where my brain is um the eagles have the best cornerback trio in the nfl you could say eagles. that
2: you can make that case i think wild why because i it's love just... the way they've used avante maddox as a blitzer too the way people said oh, it's such a uh, I guess like a regressive Philly sports take, the curmudge like oh, we need to blitz more. But then sometimes you're like, well, they actually probably should blitz more. And I think the last two weeks they've done that. And I love the way that Jonathan Gannon is deploying Avante Maddox all over the field. I really liked him and had a fill in at safety as a rookie in the 2018 that. season. Yeah. Did that well. Really struggled as an outside cornerback the next two years. I think he was truly miscast in that role. Moved back into the slot. I think he was the number uh 26th cornerback in pff last year not sound among slot cornerbacks that's all cornerbacks and now is responding where they have uh the best quarterback trio since ooh, uh you know 2005 2006 i guess remember the peak was you had bobby taylor Troy vincent and then al harris al harris yeah cornerback where those guys are all three pro bowl level guys i know that they had Leto and sheldon after that that's certainly i think uh Comparable to Slate and Bradbury, I might give the, the nod to them. I think Slate might be the better of the f- of the four, uh, but Bradbury's is probably the worst of the f- of the worst of the four.
1: Yeah, uh, just the fact that this is even a conversation that we even right. have to have this conversation. Right. It's wild. T.J.
2: Edwards, the number three linebacker on PFF right now. I wrote today on Philly Voice: When's the last time the Eagles had a good linebacker that was age twenty six or younger? T.J. Edwards is is twenty six. I said Jeremiah's Trotter's 2001 season. It's been over 20 years since the Eagles have had – I'm not just talking about like an all-pro or a pro bowl guy. I'm just saying a good young linebacker. And this guy was undrafted and in the 2019 season, built his way up, built his way up, has the best camp of any Eagles player, and carried that over into the season.
1: To now have this cornerback trio when this this team has struggled – as we indicated, the fact that we're talking about Lido Shepard and Sheldon Brown, that shows you how the dearth of, of of talented corners they've had to now have this trio, arguably the best in the NFL, to now have, you know, all these years of never having good linebacker play to now having, you know, TJ Edwards and, and Kaiser White has been no slouch either. He's played pretty darn well, too. I think he's um, been great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, CJ Gardner Johnson seems to be, I feel like he's been better each week. He, is, yeah, he was on the field all
2: 77 role? of the defensive snaps uh, or 70 or 77 of the defensive snaps against Washington. He's been out there. He didn't grade well in PFF, but I wrote in that article, PFF's fun uh, when it fits your narrative and it's not fun <laughs> when it doesn't. Yeah. So uh, this isn't this like the CD at all, who I think's played well and even Marcus Sepps, that is a really strong five there uh, where there doesn't appear to be a really clear wink, a weak link, the way you know, even in the past when they have had some successful defense. has what been. I mean, <laughs> What's the weakest part of this Eagles roster? The punter is the weak link yeah. in the roster. Sip if the off, punter's yeah. your worst player,
1: you're in good shape.
2: You're you're in a hell of a good spot. Yeah,
1: yeah. I it, it's I, I I would even ma- you could maybe say like if we're taking the punter out of it, like maybe running back. But I, but even that would be like Miles Sanders is is having a pretty good year to start. I mean, they they couldn't really get it going on the ground against Washington. Washington's yeah, front, front is pretty good. Yeah, they, um, have,
2: they have some talent. They have some big yeah. names.
1: They're they're pretty good, so I, I wasn't super shocked they couldn't get it going on the ground, but Jalen Hurts, man. They don't need to yeah. get on the ground if he's throwing like that, right? Uh, dude, I'm going to say this, and, like, I, I can't. It's week three, and I'm totally overreacting, and I don't care who knows it. Give him the extension. Do it. Do it now. Get it done. Get it done. Get it done. Get, get it, done. it done. Just get it done. Don't care what it takes. Do it, Howie. Get it done. Get in the extension. I'm in. I'm. I am. Su- and like, I the play has been the one thing. But then I saw the post game speech. At, at, um, I just saw it this morning. I I hadn't seen it until today. I I would run through a brick wall for Jalen Hurts. I absolutely would. Like to have. And it, I, I was so I, I was at Sixers media day yesterday talking to some other people. And we were talking about the Eagles. You know, it came up amongst other uh, my other colleagues, and it's. I think about Jalen Hurts, and I think about the Eagles' quarterbacks. They some. They've had some really good quarterbacks, like no doubt about it. But a quarterback this likable and that just really embraces the role and is such a good leader and embraces the city, like respectfully. Carson Wentz, as good as he was, you know, during that during 2017 when he looked like the MVP of the league. Just it was clear he was he never really embraced everything right and like uh, the the stories of his leadership and I won't get into all that but like that's out there and there's a reason why this guy's on his third team in three years and struggling again. Donovan McNabb, for all his greatness, you know there there was always a weird thing with him and the fans. I I somewhat understood it because of the whole draft night, you know, getting booed and all that. But totally. I, but I thought at some point that's got to dissipate because you know. And it's just, it's just a, there's a weird dynamic. I feel like with Donovan McNabb in Philadelphia, despite him being the greatest quarterback in the franchise's history, there's still a weird dynamic there. And a Michael Vick, again, so talented, so good. Um,
2: and he got him, him too late in his career. He was 30. If Andy yes. gets him at 22, 23, he is. Oh uh, uh, yeah. He's talking Patrick about Mahomes. That, yeah. Right. Right.
1: Uh, Jeff McLean had that really good article in the Enquirer about, um, the fact that the, which is a really cool stat that I didn't even think of, but makes a lot of sense. The Eagles have had more starts from black quarterbacks than any team in the NFL, um, ever, which is wild. Um, well, I think it just playoff so starts sense. in my
2: head, they have Randall, Rodney Pete, yeah, Donovan, Vic, now hurts. not just playoff start, that's five yeah. different black quarterbacks to do that. That's yeah. that's wild. And uh, hats off for the Eagles for realizing probably a lot of teams over the last you know the history of football really uh for horrific reasons yeah kind of shooed uh black quarterbacks out of that role i mean like if jalen hurts is i mean i think back to randall was a second round pick in 1985 (laughs) and he was the first guy to really do all this type of shit running around being this amazing player i couldn't imagine what he would be if he got drafted in 2022 he'd be like Everyone's tanking for two years yeah. to get a guy that couldn't. I mean, that guy the stylistically, shoe in he was an unbelievable number here.
1: one pick. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. like absolutely number one pick.
2: And then you think about um, all those guys that probably had were forced to change positions as, as oh, yeah. you know, high as high school or college that could have been elite NFL quarterbacks. Yeah, too. there's
1: that, that. If you didn't see that article by McLean, he wrote it before the season. It, it's really, really good. And he talked to Michael Vick. He talked to Randall Cunningham about Hertz and about that idea and. Ah, uh, Jordan Reed, who wrote a really good book on the topic, talked to Ray Didinger, who yeah, put it in yeah. a really, like it's it's a really good um read and but just all this to say, man, like this this is the guy you want leading your franchise, like everything about him um, and now the fact that he like I will never bet against this guy I, I will never bet against him um you know I, I going into the season, I was unsure, like frankly, and I've said that a couple of times here, but I'm all in. Give him the damn extension right now, do
2: it. The passing ability has caught up to the mobility, the intangibles, and the vibes. And that's a scary proposition for the rest of the NFC. Especially the NFC East after watching that drek of Monday Night Football we uh, all got exposed to. Oh my goodness. Uh, (laughs) Here's a a hurt stat in terms of how we should be viewing him as a passer, the way we viewed some other Eagles quarterbacks who were on the rise as passers. Jalen Hurts' last two games, Minnesota throws for 333 yards. at Washington throws for 340 yards. And if that was a game that was actually close in the second half, he easily eclipses 400, I think. Carson Wentz's 2017 magical season should have, would have been MVP, could have been MVP. Top that mark twice, both losses. Hmm. That's how we should be viewing Jalen Hurts right now. He's third in MVP odds or second, I should Wild. say, this week. Yeah, He was third second last week. His own DraftKings sports book wrote about it this week behind just Josh Allen, who I'm assuming is probably going to end up winning the award. But uh, the case I made for Hurts this week on Philly Voice was, if this team wins 14 games with this terrible schedule that's in front of them in this weak division and weak conference, the narratives there is this redemption story of this guy who seems to be counted out at every level, keeps getting a little bit better every year, has the national championship game debacle to Alabama in the 2017 season, gets bench for Tua, rides the pine next year, gets transfers to Oklahoma, balls out, has 5,100 total yards of offense, I think 52 total touchdowns, gets drafted by the Eagles. If fans and Carson Wentz alike are angered about the pick. Then he of the guy. A couple months later, as the starter, they want to have a new quarterback in the twenty to twenty-one season. <laughs> you no know, fans and the team alike are trying to upgrade. He look, he does good enough. Leads into that stretch late in the year, unlikely playoff berth. Same conversation this offseason. Are they going to upgrade from? Some fans want them to. I think the organization uh, legitimately tried to make moves for someone else, and it didn't necessarily come to fruition. And they are lucky that those moves didn't come to fruition with the way that Hurts is playing right now given his age, given his developmental curve, and especially before we give him this gigantic contract extension, his very cheap day two contract that he's playing through right now in his rookie deal.
1: And drafted to be a backup. Like Howie Roseman, when he drafted Jalen Hurts, did not envision him becoming the franchise quarterback, right? He viewed Jalen Hurts as a cheap backup quarterback solution. He did not view this guy as a franchise quarterback. It reminds me a little bit, and listen, Jalen Hurts is not there yet. We got a long way to go but it's a little bit like Giannis when the Bucks drafted Giannis onto the Kumpo. They didn't know what he was. He was this yeah. tall a kid from Greece. They had no idea what he was. They didn't think he would be this good. Um, and maybe the Eagles can have their kind of guy like that, that they get really lucky where they don't draft him to be that guy. But then he turns into that. Uh, and I would just be wonderfully tickled. If that were the,
2: the best case scenario for Jalen hurts when they drafted him is that he doesn't have a single throw in his Eagles career. Yep. A little over two years later, best case scenario for him is riding down a float down Broad street
1: <laughs> yep go franchise I mean it wouldn't be crazy to say franchise savior at this point. um, considering we all, like you said, everyone was ready to move on. Everyone was ready looking for the upgrade. Ah, oh, can they get Russell Wilson? Ah, oh, some people ah oh, can they get They Aaron dodged Robert? a
2: gigantic bullet. The Eagles wanted Russell Wilson. Yeah. They tried to get Russell yeah. Wilson. And they are so, so lucky they didn't th- and handed them that $235 million yeah. contract.
1: I'll say this. I do think Russell Wilson would be having much more success sure. here. Sure, with, with Sirianni and Steichen and with this offensive line and these receivers and running game. I feel like he would be having much more success than Endeavor and it is only three games. But to your point, they did make it, it, it. They lucked out in that it was better to hang on to your assets, see what Jalen Hurts has, and he is making that decision look really really smart um the other thing i have to touch on because something that really you and i tugging at our heartstrings this whole swole batman skinny batman thing aj brown catches that that beast mode touchdown that slant puts the friggin cape on are you kidding me are you kidding me like i need no reason to love aj brown more he scores a touchdown and puts on a friggin batman cape oh my god and then we go on and Devontae Smith. James, remember when everyone freaked out because he didn't have a catch in week one? I think he's fine. Seems about think, 35
2: years ago, Paul.
1: Yeah, I know. I think we're okay there. We're at a point. This team has two number one receivers. This is one A, one B. This is like flat out.
2: They will have two guys that finish this season at worst two top 15, top 12 receivers. And really Maybe two top ten statistically. So, what are their Batman comps? AJ Brown seems like souped up. Maybe I don't want to call said, him because he's not old. Like Dark Knight Returns ever Batman because he's just this hulking yeah. figure. I whereas said Devontae's like yeah. a Batman Beyond Terry yes. McGinnis slithery <laughs> slim Reaper type.
1: Yes, and I, I I kind of viewed that my my first thought was like the like the the Dark Knight Returns just because of the size. The sheer yeah. magnitude i mean if you're gonna go movies you could say kind of like that uh ben affleck bat He's bat yeah yeah uh you could see that yeah for Quez, it's tough i, I don't know like what what batman do we
2: perceive He's like when dick speediest. grayson took over for a year when bruce was oh. displaced through time that's when i first started reading batman in single issues when bruce had, like, was doing his like international batman recruiting trip thing well at- after final crisis when he got like yeah. he thought he quote unquote died and then was like stuck in like Dinosaur era, and then uh, Dick picks up the cow and is the guy with uh Damien as Robin.
1: We but, are yeah, just in this minutiae thick, and I'm but... <laughs> I mean, they it felt like they
2: made that they set those lines for us specifically to discuss, right? That's
1: I say it's dude, they're reading our diaries, it's ridiculous. Um, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's a the passing attack. Um, it, and again, I think what I touched on last week was I love the fact that it was. Uh, so so many different receivers this week we had what one two three four five six different guys catch a pass quez gets two um pass interference penalties draws them both um technically only has one target
2: that counts as offense offense. like that that's a a good rep for him do you know what i mean it's not going to show up in the staff sheet but that's a good rep for him
1: absolutely um actually that's not even the full picture because what am i looking at here because we had grant uh Kakatera had his first catch and it was a really nice play um that young man can play a little bit. Uh, I, his futures are or his. You know, his. It's a little bit. Murky. I worry about his
2: brain with all yes, the concussions. In a much. legitimate way, that I'm not very in a much. non-joking way. Like, no, seriously. I wondered if he being. should have not should have stopped playing football. It's uh, fair. my dad who is and he a, literally uh, did. My dad was a college football player. He's very uh unhappy that he is continuing his career. Not mad at him specifically, but more mad at just the situation. There's just a lot to go on. Well, sp- Looking and like, at. Yards per catch: Devonte sixteen point six, AJ fifteen point five, Goddard fifteen point three.
1: Fantastic! What a look. this is just a deep. This is just a deep team with a lot of weapons. I mean um,
2: Pascal. I think he's like he took J- mm. Jalen Rager's snaps out, gave him the Zach Pascal. Who is this? <laughs> who's this NBA comp as this pick and roll big man who's doing the dirty work and setting everyone else up for easy plays. Jalen Reger, this isn't just a shit on Jalen Reger podcast, but he's not doing those little things, yeah. and that's where the veteran presence of him, his connection with Sirianni, his belief in team overall, he knows he's not going to be one of the top five guys in pass catches on this team. But he and knows and that Pascal- if he does his little jobs, he's going to have the rest of the guys on the team looking like stars like they do, and they're going to have a playoff run.
1: And it's not like he's a slouch in the receiving game. know. He's, he's good. He, he's, he's he could be a num. He would yeah. be a number three on a lot of teams around the NFL. Yeah. But like you said, he wanted to come here because he he had the connection with Sirianni and he knew he had a chance to to perhaps do something special here. So, yeah, just like selfless guys, I, I think that's such a good theme of, and I feel like there's a lot of that with this Eagles team. Whether it's Hurts, whether it's AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, you know, whether it's Dallas Goddard, Miles Sanders, like. There are a lot of selfless players on this team who just want to win. They don't care who eats as long as they win games and someone eats. And they're, they're just as happy for the other guys who do it, right? And I, I love that. I love that mentality. And that's how you win when everyone puts their egos aside um, and, and does that. And I got a little bit of those vibes uh, from the Philadelphia 76ers, and I'm going to definitely touch on that. Um, and the media day that took place on Monday. I was there, obviously, at the training complex, but we're going to take a quick break on the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast. We will be right back with more right after this. Right.
0: Three. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now, more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make
1: Just to put a bow on this Eagles discussion, we got a fun one coming this Sunday. Doug Peterson, triumphant return. I'm so, dude, for Doug to say, oh, I really hope it's it's more cheers than booze," Doug. If anyone boos you, they're an idiot. Like we we can say that, right? Like th- like I, I'm I'm a big fan of booze. Like not big fan of booze, but like I'm no, I
2: I, I am literally a big fan of booze. I'm personally not, but like I, really <laughs> I'm not, but I am like, pro booing.
1: You're entitled to it, and I I fully stand by that. And you do what you want to do. You paid your money, and it's fine. But in this one, in, like this is one of the instances where, if you boo, the only head coach to win a Super Bowl in this franchise's history, um, who from all reports that I've read, maybe you know something different than I do, but like he was basically fired because of Carson Wentz, right? Like that's my understanding of it is that they were trying to yes. keep Carson Wentz and yes. they moved on from Doug Peterson because of that. Yeah, exactly. We are on video. So some people will see that this week. Uh, <laughs> I believe that's getting posted, but yeah, Good, so no, it's, I'm just saying it's wonderful yeah. um, that people can see our genuine reactions. But so all that to say, if you're booing Doug Peterson this weekend, you have to reevaluate things. It, it, it may be personally, like maybe not just your sports fan, but maybe personally inward you have to reflect and, and, and maybe, you know, learn a little bit of something about yourself.
2: Main entrance of the stadium when you walk in, you're going to walk by a statue of this guy, then go in and boom. I can, I'm not just trying to make a straw man thing. I really don't think he's going to get booed. I had a I mailbag did. question yeah. today. Uh, that I ran on Philly Voice, it was, you know, Will Doug Pierce get a standing ovation? I said, anything less is completely unacceptable and embarrassing. And, again, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it's going to be even something like 70, 30 cheers of booze. I don't think anyone's booing him, nor should they. But I want to get out in front and say, if you do that, just stay the hell home. <laughs> I'm with. Again, you. I'm a reporter. Uh, you know, my fandom is obvious in, in my history as, you know, if I wasn't such a huge Eagles fan and a nut growing up in – you know, uh, doing that writing and podcasting before my affiliate voice job, I wouldn't be good at my job now. And I can take a step back and say, look, 27 Eagles wasn't a media member there. Most influential thing outside of my, you know, closer inner, inner social network in my life for a lot of reasons. And Doug Peterson, uh, how could you not love the guy? How could you really not love the guy?
1: And he's just so, that's the other thing too, is like, he's just a
2: likable guy too. Like, he's a good dude. He's just, he's just, he's Doug. Like, you know what I mean? Um, but I'll tell you I what I'm un- assuming nature is what maybe rubbed some people the wrong way yeah. as the years went on. Not Perhaps. saying it's deserved, but they're like, Oh, this yeah. guy, I, I think that's what kind of uh maybe why he was overlooked that specific hiring cycle in 2016 when the Eagles hired him. He wasn't their first option, they wanted to hire Ben McAdoo. Yeah. Ben McAdoo turned him down, so they had to settle for the first coach to win a Super Bowl in league history. so I was writing about Doug, I'm kind of on the Doug Peterson beat this week on Philly Voice. And I looked up at some old articles about ranking coaching head hires that off season. Uh, USA Today. I don't remember the journalist's name. Is I didn't cite the journalist. I'm not trying to do old takes exposed. But I'll be. I'll find <laughs> a dunk on a, a publication rather than a specific person, especially if they're national like that. So Peterson was seventh. Chip Kelly was first. Mm-hmm. Doug Peterson came in and cleaned up Chip Kelly's mess. This college megalomaniac coach. <laughs> And Jacksonville just hired him to do the same thing clean up Urban Myers' mess mm. in three games in the season, into this season. He's done that. Yes. Trail of Trevor Lawrence looks like the guy we thought he was going to be coming out of Clemson again. That guy was non existent last year. They wasted his entire rookie year, year of his rookie contracts. Now, Doug has him on the right trajectory.
1: It's. They're fun to watch too. Like it's and Trevor Lawrence, yeah, you you nailed it there. I, I absolutely love him. I love his game. I think that was he's the going perfect be, hire they could have made. He yes, the perfect oh, hire. Well, and it's funny because we we just talked about Denver and Russell Wilson. Like, why the hell would Denver not go after Doug Peterson? You have a super old, like winning an coach. Older
2: coach. Really, to you just threw a new guy in who's right. a big big nepotism guy in the NFL coaching circles yes. to appease. Russell Wilson, did he? Did they think, I, I, I can't speak to their thought, they say you no, know, is Russ more Indy Peyton Manning, where he's kind of the coach on the field, and they have this kind of stand-in guy in Hackett, but whatever's going on, it's not working there. Yeah, well,
1: I, I, they, the, the rumors were they hired Hackett to get Rodgers, right? Like, that's what kind of started yeah yeah that he, makes sense that he was the oc so yes. like that was when wit- yeah. that was there so i don't know if maybe they got into bed with hackett and it was like too late to go back like i don't that know makes a lot of sense yeah uh but why they wouldn't give doug peterson a look i don't know um but just to wrap up on eagles i guess for you let's go with like what are your, your kind of the biggest things you're looking for in the matchup and then what your prediction is for sunday
2: are they going to keep the pedal on in the second half
1: hmm
2: because, contrary to the Vikings offense, the way that team showed up that night, not speaking to Kirk Cousins and Josh Jefferson as regular season players overall, but the way they performed and showed up to the link that night, uh, their vibe was non existent. Their presence was non existent. Same thing kind of happened in Washington. Those guys faded right away, couldn't wait to get out of that building. I don't think Doug Peterson's Jaguars are going to be doing that because of what this game means to Doug Peterson. The way he is as a head coach, and frankly, the kind of talent they have on that offense—young guys who want to prove themselves—they belong in this team and belong in a game against this team that's already, you know, we're part, we're part of the hype train. We're—I'm in the media; I'm part of the hype train as much as I think I'm, you know, kind of the outsider type guy. And I'm writing that Jalen Hurts win MVP. I'm part of that that hype train, and people are crowding them already. Yeah. I play a part in that, and I, I think it's warranted to a degree. NFL.com—they
1: were number one, right? power I'm not saying
2: I'm definitively going to Phoenix in February, but it just. <laughs> The team is playing exceptionally right now. And I don't think the Jaguars are going to have to quit in them the way Minnesota did in Philly and the way the Commanders did in Maryland. I'm with you. So I, I don't want to just score. I just, I don't want the Eagles to just score 24 points in the first half and then be like, cool, we'll chill. Brandon Graham will <laughs> sack Trevor Lawrence once or twice. Jordan Davis will be in his face, press from It'll be fine. No, that's, that's not, that's not how Doug Peterson won the Super Bowl. Because the Eagles mm. were at a double-digit lead at halftime. That's not how they won the Super Bowl. That's not how Doug Peterson played. And coming back here, you know, Doug is probably going to be very receptive and happy about the reception he's going to receive, right? He's going to be overjoyed. That seems, that seems like his nature. Uh, Wednesday uh, morning the, at the NoviCare Center, I'll be down there. They're going to have a, a conference call with Doug as kind of an opposing coach interview. Obviously, there's more energy for that, given Doug standing in Philadelphia rather than you know Ron Rivera last week. I didn't, I didn't even attend that. But I think Doug is going to be a guy who keeps going late in that game. He's going to have his guys doing that. So the Eagles need to respond. And I think Sirianni up for that challenge because this week's about the opposing coach in Philadelphia and what he means to Philadelphia. And Nick Sirianni's sitting there right there saying, people hated me last year. They're loving this team right now. I think we can make the Super Bowl. I think not that he's publicly saying that, but I'm sure the expectation in the building right now is, hey, we're taking things one at a game at a time. We think we have a great team. We can make this run. Nick Ciarani's sitting there probably thinking, I want to do what this guy did here. I want to be remembered not just as good as this guy. I want to be remembered as a greater coach than this guy. So much great juice. That's such a juicy matchup. <laughs> the vibes are unbelievable. This uh, These guys who kind of have different personalities, uh, different yeah. public personas, but I think they each have a hidden edge to them that isn't really seen as much. And I also- think... They have well, some sort of connection with the Frank Reich tree, right, too? Because, obviously, Frank Reich was the Eagles' offense coordinator when they win the Super Bowl. He goes to Indianapolis, his first year in Indianapolis. Uh, Nick Sirianni becomes his offense coordinator for the next three years.
1: And I think the one thing, because I agree with you, they, they are different personality-wise, but I think there's one key thing for a head coach that I believe they both have. They, guys, want to play for them. And that's yeah. such a huge thing for any head coach in any sport. But... um guys tend to when they when you know that 2017 season they love doug peterson here like that that, that team rallied around doug um and then you because know, listen doug people were wanting to fire doug peterson in 2016 if you recall like just Philadelphia in the I way it the is.
2: team may have considered doing that yeah um, it's possible on the on the low there was that talk of Jim Schwartz potentially taking over for him. And a lot of us, you know, fans called BS on it. I'm sure I did, but there might've been legitimacy there. Obviously Doug Peterson shut those people, the frig up.
1: The frig up. Yes. Perfect. (laughs) Uh, I do. So uh, before we wrap up on Eagles prediction, what do you got for
2: Sunday? What did they do for Philly voice this week? I think I said 27, 17 or something along those lines. Okay. So I have them covering. Okay. I... If it's, I mean, if it's 31-28, wouldn't be shocked. Before the season, I predicted the Eagles to be going 3-0 in this game and losing the Jaguars. I am amending that pick just because of how well the Eagles have played. I, I thought they were going to go 3-0. Not in this dominant fashion, especially offensively with Jalen Hurts, so I'm going with the birds now.
1: I'm also going to go birds. I'm going to go 31 20. And I think uh, the one bold prediction I'll have, it's not that bold. They're going to get one defensive touchdown this week, whether it's a a Lawrence interception or a sack fumble returned. I I think they get one defensive touchdown this week, and that's going to help kind of further the gap and, and perhaps help them create distance in the second half. Hopefully they can get the running game going. because I think that will go a long way in being a little bit more dominant in the second half and maybe, you know, closing the game out a little sooner. I have one
2: bold prediction. Go. I don't know who it's gonna be because both of these guys like to smell themselves. And I think, like I was talking about, the energy with the matchup between who the coaches are, what they've done in the past, what they've done in the past here. There will be at least one Philly special run. I don't know Ooh. which team's gonna run it. Uh Nick Sirianni infamously ran it last year in week two against the 49ers, a fourth and goal situation. And it was such a please love me pandering move. Uh, it's okay, Nick. They probably didn't love you then. They they definitely love you now. And it would be very Doug for him to come back here and do that as well. So I think we're gonna. I do a weekly over unders feature where I'm not looking at true props. I'm kind of making it on my own. That usually run the day before game. so Sunday game on Saturdays on Uh The one I'm gonna do is over two and a half players to attempt a pass.
1: I'm ah, interesting. I've seen like those that.
2: props. There are props like that. And like when it's actual sports books in twenty twenty when the Eagles had Hurts, there were some over under Jalen Hurts throws zero point five when when, when they ran the quarterback and yeah. stuff like that. So yeah, gotcha.
1: No, I I like that bold prediction because I, you're right. I could see either coach doing it. Um, <laughs> they both do it. I was gonna say they <laughs> so would they both do it. Would Incredible, it. <laughs> especially if they both if it's if they're both successful, that
2: would be incredible.
1: Yeah, um, or if like. If if the Jaguars try it and don't get it and then the Eagles do get it, maybe that's
2: your defensive touchdown. Yeah. Christian (laughs) Kirk throws an interception. (laughs) Pick six to Bradbury, and he goes the other way. Pick six. Philly special
1: pick six. That would be hilarious. Um, very serendipitous. I want to talk to I want to talk about something maybe a little less exciting, but um, and I think we're still kind of in this apathy phase with the Philadelphia Phillies. They had a weird, you know, last weekend. They they um not let not this previous weekend of the weekend before they get swept by the Braves, they look completely outclassed. They have a weird week this week where they split with the, the Blue Jays, uh two-game set, then they split the two-game set with the Braves. Uh, Zach Wheeler being back, very positive. He looked really good. Uh, they only let him go four innings, which is understandable, all things considered, but he looked great. Um, Jose Alvarado looks like the most dominant reliever in baseball right now. Classic uh, 103 mile an hour sinker. Ah, uh, dude, it's so wide. And that cutter now that he's throwing at like 95, that's getting guys out, become like a strikeout pitch. Um, they do get Castellanos back. A little bit of controversy there because he is not taking a rehab assignment. So we'll see what he's got over these last 10 games, which by the way, the Phillies do not play a home game over their final 10 games of the season, which is insane to me. I don't know what the schedule makers were thinking there. I don't really appreciate that on their part. They got the Cubs, they got the Nats close it up in, uh, against a very good Houston team that might not have much to play for. Hopefully, we discussed that last week, for. right? Yeah. Um, so we'll see there, but uh, the playoff odds, uh, according to baseball reference, that's where like there's a little bit of concern here because what what did they drop say? every show, they drop literally every show they've dropped. Um, They were I'm trying to find it here. So they, they were it was like 95 or 96 percent the first time we looked and they are currently down to 80.9 percent to make the postseason. Now, they're still in really good shape. Frankly, you'd rather they be
2: at eighty than twenty, right? Yeah,
1: correct. Which is where the the if you look at the Brewers, which is the team that could potentially catch them, the Brewers are at twenty six point nine percent. Um, so there's that. So you feel pretty good about it. Um, I did have this here pulled up, and I want to pull it back up. Uh, Destiny Lagardo, who does a really nice job covering the Phillies for Phillies Nation, she um has it kind of lined up of what the Phillies need to finish and then what Milwaukee would need to finish in order for the playoffs to happen. It's the Phillies go five and five, play 500 baseball. The Brewers would have to go six and three in order to overtake them. That means that the Phillies just go six and four playing two teams that are bad and have nothing to play for. The Brewers have to go seven and two. So like, God, if you win six games, six of 10, it's not asking a lot, (laughs) six or seven. That would be great. Then the Brewers would really have to really close out on an absolute tear um, for you to not make the postseason. And it would really suck, and it would really be a Phillies thing to happen if that were the case. But there were some positive signs. It was, like I said, good to see Wheeler back in the mix, Um, Kyle Schwarber heating up a little bit, Bryce Harper hitting a home run, getting back on board. Where are you at right now? Are are, are you feeling any type of uh, slightly more excitement now that we're nearing the finish line here? Uh, What's kind of going through your mind when you think Philadelphia Phillies right now?
2: The worst thing that could have happened to the Phillies in terms of their engagement fan-wise and their stance in this city is that the Eagles are 3-0 and everyone thinks they're going to the Super Bowl. That is, we talked about it earlier, I talked about it on the show before, we've said it in other conversations with people, they needed the summer to convince the city that they were for real and not this inconsistent bunch that they've been, specifically for the last two or three years, and maybe this irrelevant bunch they've been. For almost a dozen years hmm. and they weren't really able to do that bryce's injury looms large as we i think we talked about it on last week's show where people might be attending games if at least you said hey bryce is going to be in there i know he's back in the lineup now but during that hill stretch he had two different stretches where he's missed a lot of time hey i'm just gonna go to the game buy a bryce jersey drink a couple of beers watch him hit on run now everyone just said, hey, I'm gonna go scroll Twitter on my phone from the comfort of my living room and yeah. the Phillies on the background and read some articles about the Eagles. And this isn't supposed to be a me jumping on the Phillies thing and no oh, I'm I, an Eagles I, guy. Like I think some people you. think that it's it's not the case. Like it, my life as a writer in terms of business-wise for Philly Voice would be a lot better if the Phillies were a hundred-win team. So that's preferable for me than the situation they're in right now. And it's
1: just it there is an ex- it's it's a lack of that, 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 like, take a draw. Like, like, where, like, why, like, why everybody I like to the to them? Yeah. Like, and like, like, to your point, if Bryce Harper were, was just scalding hot right now, you, you would get people in the stadium. If I even so. if Kyle Schwarber was hitting, like he hit in June, you'd have people in the stadium right now. Um, any of that, you would have people in, in that stadium, but it's just not the case. They've had some injuries, which has been rough. I mean, you know, we yeah. talked about Wheeler Castellanos. Sir Anthony has not been right since he came back, although he was like, okay, his last couple outings. Um It's it, it, the apathy is the word I keep coming back to because it's just how I feel. And like the fact that, you know, they split with the Braves. Great. But it would have just been so much sweeter if they had won three out of four after they just looked totally outclassed the following, the, the previous weekend in Atlanta. So to just see them kind of not just not not put their it's not 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 like step on next during the week right like splitting with Toronto meh, splitting with Atlanta meh. I mean I get they're both good teams but like you, you just need to see like for me what I need to see over these next um ten games maybe not ten games but just these games over the, the against the Nationals and the Cubs dominate you have to dominate you have to just beat these teams like you have to have that killer instinct you know it, it it's September it's almost October. We just need to go in and crush these teams. They have nothing to play for. Get to them early. Hop on these starting pitchers early and, and score, score a lot of runs and make it so they don't even want to try to come back and they want to play golf. Uh,
2: I guess the, the Brave series or Cardinals series, whatever it would be, that's next Friday. So the Phillies that's could be easy. having a playoff game in 10 years. I don't think the average Philadelphia sports fan, I'm talking about the average Philly fan or the average Eagles fan, I'm just talking about a generic – Replacement level, the war the version sure, of, yeah. <laughs> of, of a fan uh, does not give a shit. No, and it's and what is that, is like that that Does that say heart, more about honestly. the fan base? Does that say more about this Phillies team? Or does that say more about what baseball has become in the mm. overall imagination? And that's more of a uh, macro level view. Of no, I get of- it. Yeah. I, I I think you could certainly make a case that it's a little bit of all of it, right? Um, because then the next Sunday, the Eagles are playing the Cardinals in Arizona. And if there was a split, that's a three game series in whether it's St Louis or uh, Atlanta, whatever. that could be a one one game three. winner goes the next round of playoffs, the playoffs Phillies win that game, they're guaranteed a home playoff game, yeah. If you're not in a crazy two TV household like me, thinking you're a big <laughs> wig that TV is going to be on the Eagles game.
1: Yeah. Right. I'm going to have to bring the TV down. Did you say that? I'm going to, I have a TV in my office. It's coming downstairs if that's the case, but yeah, it's, it, I, I think a lot of it is just a lack of trust in this Phillies organization, which they yeah. have earned that lack of trust. Quite frankly, they do not, last decade of bad baseball.
2: I mean, that's they do it. not deserve the benefit of the doubt. And right. that's right.
1: And so i want to shift gears now to a team with a little bit more positive vibes. And that's the Philadelphia 76ers uh, media day yesterday what i said my biggest takeaway yesterday it was boring but i feel like for the philadelphia 76ers boring is wonderful there were no rookies with injuries there was no uh, talking about a player who either forgot how or refuses to shoot a basketball there was no there's nobody on a hot seat right now um you know even like you know, I won't mention the guy's name, but we all know who I'm talking about. When I say it. a certain reporter who really is always trying to do the whole gotcha thing. He had nothing. There was nothing like there was just nothing. There's no, there's no controversy. It's, it's, it's boring. And I think one, the Sixers are probably elated that it's boring. Sixers um, PR
2: staff sleeping uh, well tonight for the yes. first time in Ever? 10 years. <laughs> Ever.
1: Um, So, yeah, I, To me, that's a wonderful sign that it was boring, that there was nothing much there. Um, You know, I was there. I'll I'll get into some of my takeaways and some of the stuff I saw. But for you, um, from the outside looking in, was there anything to you that really stood out from the day or or anything that really caught your attention?
2: Did anyone ask Doc the question? Well, yeah. No, no one asked him that. No, I think (laughs) they should have sent me just just, (laughs) I was on the I was on the tweet beat and beat was not meant as a double entendre. Oh, my goodness.
1: We're off the rails and I love it. Um for me, I felt more like what is he gonna say? I'm kind of over it. I want to talk about that. I wanna talk about basketball personally. So I did not I don't even remember what I oh, I asked Dara Moria a question, so I didn't even ask Doc a question. So um Sorry. that's where I was at. No, listen, I'm just saying, I, I, no, I I'm joking. I just, that's your job <laughs> is to ask questions. Correct. It is my job to ask questions. And um I was hoping I would get a little bit more little bit more out of that i'm worried i didn't it happens what are you gonna do um but yeah was was there other than the lack of asking about porn tweets was there anything else that stood out to you
2: well uh Kyle knew made back an article today come out in philly voice where he talks about it seemed that they were they're interested in the idea of pj tucker getting some of those backup center minutes what do you think about that do you think that's something sustainable is doc rivers uh receptive at all To playing small ball that way, the way he has in the last couple of seasons, does that change in the playoffs? Are they going to have Harrell out there because of Doc's, so much of his familiarity with him because of their shared days in L.A.? How do you see? I think people know what the starting rotation is going to be. I think they know what they're going to get from Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, James Harden, and to an extent Tyrese Maxey, who could conceivably make another leap the way he did last year from, I think he went from a good player to on the cusp of stardom, and who knows what this season takes for him. How old is he, 22? 21 21 21 it's wild um it's a it's a very
1: similar trajectory right now to darius garland who made his first all-star team last year um so we'll see although the east is a little bit more loaded at guard uh perhaps than it was last year but
2: (laughs) how many all-stars would the sixers have this
1: year i'm gonna say two I'm gonna say it's. That's I'm gonna not say fun. it's. It's, it's yeah. the correct answer, <laughs> but it's not fun. I know. I'm gonna say it's. Yeah, it's in beaten Harden. Um, I don't think Maxi quite gets there yet. I, it's one of those, and it's like they, they say, like you have to have one All Star season where you don't make it before you make before you actually become an All Star. I think. I think like that's that apt. The deal. I think that's apt. Yeah, so I, I think that's what happens. I think Maxi has an All Star caliber year this year, but doesn't quite get it because they're listen. They, the, all of a sudden now you have Donovan Mitchell in the East too. I mean, this is, this is a loaded conference when it comes to guards all of a sudden. So, I mean, and Tyrese, even a guy as Tyrese Halliburton could be an all-star this year. So there's a, a, on a team like Indiana, where he's going to shine because they have nothing. Um, He's going to shine every night. So he's going to get the opportunity. Whereas Maxi, it's going to, the, the wealth is going to be spread out a little bit more. So maybe he doesn't have that chance. And if the Sixers already had two all-stars, perhaps it's not looked at as favorably, but to get back to your PJ Tucker point, the regular season, it's Harold. It's going to be Harold. It's going to be Harold all season long. Yes. That's just the way it's going to go. And I'm good with that because he is an outstanding regular season player. He's going to be really good with James Harden. I think he's got a chance to be really good with Tyrese Maxey. Tobias Harris is another guy who's been really good playing with lob threat type centers in the past. He has, he has a little bit of history with Harold too. So I think a lot of things are set up that I think Harold's going to have a very good regular season. And I think with P.J., you don't want to go to it too much because he is 37 years old and you don't want to wear him down. The playoffs are the time to mess around and
2: maybe do that. Yeah. I so
1: agree. you might see no use, no there. use of him
2: bagging in January in the post when he only has so many miles on right. the pedometer, right? And percent. the three year contract too. It's no, not just a one year deal times.
1: Um, but I do think, I, I think, Doc will recognize the validity of how good their line the Miami Heat's lineups were at times with PJ Tucker. Now, again, if you're facing a center like Joel Embiid, which the Sixers will not because they do, in fact, employ Joel Embiid, you don't put PJ Tucker up against the PJ Tucker. Actually, had a really funny comment yesterday where he said in the past where he's guarded Joel Embiid as a center, they literally were making jokes about it while the game was going on. The fact that six foot five PJ Tucker was guarding arguably the best center on the planet. So, uh, I in certain matchups, I think it'll make sense. I think it'll make sense to go PJ and just go um, a bunch of shooters. But I will say this too: when you're doing those funky kind of lineups, you maybe you play Paul Reed in that scenario, but and he's more of the five, and PJ's more of the four. Like I, I think it's going to be match dependent. I think Doc will mess around with it. Um, I want to see it, and I want to see it, like in the postseason, especially when other teams go small. I would love to see the the chess move be all right, you're going to go small. Here's PJ Tucker at the five. Um, and it's, you know, five shooters on the floor. We're switching everything. Um, I, I would love to see that, you know, to Tucker at the Tucker at the five, you know, maybe Tobias at the four um, and then play him like, off the know, floor. Shooting. Melton Matisse and like um, Maxi or something like that. And just switch everything. And, and I think that could be a really interesting lineup. So, yeah, I, I mean, Doc was pretty close to the chest, didn't really reveal too much about what he likes and what he doesn't like. Seems normal. Yeah. Um. I'm what curious. do you think of how long
2: – what's the playoff rotation? How many guys do you think are in a playoff rotation? Obviously, you have 82 games to figure that out. Yeah. And who are those I, guys in your minds?
1: Nine-ish, nine-ish, I would say. I'd say the starting five is the starting five. You have Melton, you have House. I think are locks to be the two guys off the bench. Then to that, like – I don't know if Har- It's one of like Harold or Reed is going to have to play backup center. I think so. That's eight, and then nine is going to be. I think it's like. Hey, Firk, open- are you?
2: Do you have a pulse? Let's go out there. Yeah, or like Matisse that type Dival. stuff. Listen,
1: yeah. I even think Doc Rivers still really likes Shake Milton a lot, and Shake yeah. Milton talked like a guy who thinks he's going to get rotation minutes this year. Okay. I don't know that that's a thing. I don't know if that's going to happen, but Shake came in pretty confident. Um. I still just think Shake's a pretty good basketball player. He had a tough year last year, was really nicked up. Um, Doc said he thought he had the best training camp of anybody, and then he twisted his ankle and and you know missed the start of the season. Um I still think Shake Milton can can be a pretty good basketball player. So I'm curious, what I'd say is what's good about this conversation we're having. Is the conversation we had last year was, Oh my god, do they have five guys who can play in the playoffs? Now it's like, Hey, they might have seven, eight, nine, ten guys that could be reasonably
2: let's see in April,
1: yeah, sure, for sure. But they, they
2: could, <laughs> I'm, kidding, the fact, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, but the fact yeah, that that's I agree, the conversation I
1: we're having, I, I think, is wonderful that Matisse Thibel is like competing for like a 10th man role as opposed to being in the starting lineup, right? Like, I Correct. think that's is huge that there is now competition. At the bottom of kind of the rotation, I think that is outstanding for them going into the season. I think we're going to. Wrap you've up got now.
2: me. You've got me amped for some Sixers basketball more so than Next I was week. twenty minutes ago.
1: Next week we got preseason games. It's starting. I'll be down
2: there for the first couple of games. Kyle uh, yeah, yeah, Newbeck will be on his honeymoon during the beginning of the Sixers right. season, so I'll yeah, be covering he's... some games. Congrats, yeah. to, Kyle. Congrats uh, to Kyle. So I will yeah. see you down there for some
1: Sixers stuff. Yeah. This is, it sounds like his honeymoon is going to be a blast too. He was telling me about it on media day. Nice, seems like it's going nice. to be fun. So um, good for Kyle and good for his fiance. That's wonderful. Um, Cause there's never a good time to like, it's.
2: There's never it's, a good time to do anything as a sports writer.
1: Yes. <laughs> there is The never window a good is this, the window is this. That's like, even like when we were like, you know, um, you know, not, not to get too personal, but like me and my fiance, we planned our son. And, but like. There was no good time to do it. I mean, it's so hard with this kind of thing. And so, like, it actually wound up being okay. It was, you know, early de- – It was he was due early December, decided to come out late November. And it worked out, right? Like, it was okay. Like, I didn't miss much. I missed a couple weeks. It was not too bad. But, um, you know, I guess we can edit on some flyer suck. But, like, what do we even say? They started camp. They had a
2: preseason game.
1: Carter Hart's already frigging hurt.
2: What the frig? Uh- <laughs> The friggin' flyers. That's how we, sh- <laughs> that's the flyer segment every show. What is
1: happening with the friggin' flyers this week? What that just sounds like. Oh, no, what, been-
2: what, what's happening with the friggin' flyers sounds like I just saw one of my friends from South LA for the first time in like a couple months. No, <laughs> 100%. Let's
1: actually, let's call it, let's call this segment every week. Uh, what the frig with the flyers? Because
2: it's got to be the frig, because the friggin' <laughs> yeah.
1: it's got to be the frig. That's the Philly <laughs> thing. But, um, Yeah, I don't even know what to dissect. They're hurt. They're so banged up. They're playing preseason games. Great stuff. Carter Hart, like I mentioned, is already out. Um, They said it's day-to-day. We'll see what happens. We don't... uh, Yeah, sure. Lower body. Whatever. No one knows. Uh, (laughs) I did see that they said Sean Couturier's injury, there is optimism that it's actually only going to be a few weeks, whereas some people were speculating it was like season-ending or maybe even career-ending, where it is only going to be a few weeks. So that's promising, but Still, just not a lot to be excited about in, in, in Flyers land right now.
2: Okay, this is what uh, – I have one one of my best friends from college is a Flyers number one guy. He loves all four teams, but Flyers is his number one. Truly one of the sickest human beings I've ever met. <laughs> uh, they all he, said, are. he sends me a lot of hockey stuff on in our Instagram DM chats. So he sends me one from this hockey account. It says, Gavin McKenna, the first overall pick from the 2022 WHL, just happens to be born in december just happens to still be 14 had four assists in his first whl game when there were still 9 minutes remaining in the game he is draft el- eligible in 2026 they might inadvertently still be tagging for him by that time i think i didn't hear about this i didn't hear about this guy until 6:43 p.m. yesterday but i think we could just uh, you know, full the next couple of years, and, and then we get Gavin McKenna, and we being the Flyers in the city of Philadelphia and Flyers fans, rather. 2006, two,
1: 2026, McKenna. yeah, tank it for McKenna. Okay, I like it, that's where we're at right now. I was uh, ahead of the
2: curve on it, and if he stinks, I was just joking.
1: <laughs> I don't even know who the guy is this year who is like, I don't know if there is, if there's like that transcendent tank guy in the hockey draft this year. I don't know who that guy is. Maybe that'll be our homework
2: assignment that we'll have to figure out if
1: that guy exists. The guy just um, sent me a hockey
2: video. So now I'm replying talking about Gavin McKenna (laughs) on a podcast as we speak. (laughs) Mentioned you're a sicko, but not by name to protect yourself.
1: Yes. Hey, if he wants to, if he wants to come on and talk flyers, you can feel free. Um, No, I'd like to keep my job. (laughs) Love it. All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up right there. Um, But I do think that's the most productive flyers thing we had is that we now have a new flyer segment called what the frig with the flyers. Um, for Paul or for Seamus Clancy, I am Paul Hudrick. This is the friggin' Mercy Talk Strength Faster podcast on the SB Nation Podcast Network. Please rate, download, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We will be on uh, back next week to dissect Eagles Jaguars. And that should be a fun one this weekend. We're both looking forward to it. Until then, we will talk to you guys. Next